about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Are you ready tonight? All right, take your Bible, go to Psalm 24, Psalm 24. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for revelation about your kingdom. Thank you for opening our eyes to our, what you've put us here for, to your will for us, the purpose for us. We thank you each and every day we understand more and more about your kingdom. We continue to seek it. We thank you that we stay in the righteousness of you, and we thank you that you're responsible for everything in our lives. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Okay, let's start tonight in Psalm 24. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. We're just going to continue, go as far as we can go, and then stop again. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell in it. Look at it again. The earth is whose? It's the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, everything in the earth and the world that dwells in it belong to the Lord. So we found out already that God is the one in Genesis chapter 1 who gave dominion to man. We are here. We are responsible to rule, to govern, to manage, and to control things here on the earth. That's why he put us here to begin with. God gave us rulership, but he never gave us ownership. So we have rulership on the earth, but not ownership. Here it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything, say everything. Now how many know there's a lot of things in the earth, but everything in the earth actually belongs to who? belongs to the Lord. So that tells each and every one of us, you know, the house that we have doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the, the car that we have belongs to the, and even you can see that, you know, as you get older and stuff, many of the things you own now, you're not going to take to heaven with you. How many know you can't drive your car up there and do anything with it? So everything we're going to leave behind here. So everything we got, we're actually renting. We're actually just spending time with it. The Lord gave us to us to use. So God gave management to man and sooner or later, the Bible says that we will give an account of what we do with what he entrusted to us. That means the money that we have, possessions that we have, the time we have, the talents we have. When we die and we go to heaven, basically, we will give an account of what we did with the gifts that God had placed on the inside of us. Go to Matthew 25. Every time you study one of the parables, you have to remember they're about the kingdom of God. Every single one is about the kingdom of God and relates to the kingdom of God. All right, Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is speaking. Look at verse 14. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his ability, and straightway took the journey. Now what does that sound like? That sounds like just what we were talking about, don't we? talks about Jesus came, he came here, he left all these things to mankind, he took a journey back, and he went back to heaven. Verse 16, then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them another five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained another two. But he had that received one, went and digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained five besides them five talents. 
The Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I, gave, I gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Then he came to him which received one talent. He came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and lazy servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money in the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which has ten talents. For unto every one that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even what he has. Now this is basically a parable about us here on the earth and what we were talking about earlier. It's about the kingdom of God. There was a master here who instructed money to three servants. Notice he did not give them ownership. He did not give it for them to keep. He gave it them to do what? To manage. Say to manage. Then the master went on a faraway journey. How many know Jesus went on a faraway journey? So we read about two of them who invested wisely. They doubled, but the third was afraid, so he hid basically, the talent or whatever he was given at that time. Now, when you relate that to us, why do a lot of people hang on to or hide their talents and the things that God gave him rather than use them? Because they're afraid. Fear. Why don't people follow the laws of tithing and tithe? Because they're afraid they're not going to have enough money to do it, so they don't do it. Why don't they step out in ministry? Because they're afraid ministry's not going to work and that's not going to do it. So you can see the same reason here, basically. Why didn't this guy do anything? Because he was afraid. Say afraid. So our money and our possessions and the people we deal with and everything that God has given us, we are responsible for that. And, you know, sometimes I think myself, you know, how full are our closets of stuff that we don't even use? How full are garages of things that we got that nobody uses? Yeah, we've got all these things that are full of these things that we never use, never do. All these things were given to us for a purpose, either to use or to give to somebody else or to do something with. You know, Jesus doesn't like waste. Remember the loaves and the fish? I'd have been so happy that I fed everybody. I'd have just left. But he picked up every little piece of fish. He told him to go out and get every little piece. Why? Because he doesn't like waste. Because wasteful is not good management. And we are called to manage. So notice here also, increase does not come by prayer. It doesn't come by fasting. It doesn't come by declaring money cometh. It comes by you being faithful with whatever God gives you. If you're faithful with what he gives you, you will have much. The Bible says if you're faithful with little, he will give you much. So everything you're faithful with, from your money to your ministry to your time, your talents, all those things, you'll end up with more of it, basically. Notice he cast out the servant who failed to manage the money given to him by the master. And notice what he did. He took it from the one who had the least, and he gave it to the one that had what? The most. Now, that, that just blows the whole world up, right? We're supposed to take from the rich people, and we give it down to the poverty people because that's the right thing to do. Well, then God's messed up because God took the little from down here, and he didn't give it to the even guy in the middle. He gave it to the one who had the most. Why? Because that one was able to manage 
more. Are you following me? And we're taught here that's ridiculous. Why would somebody who doesn't have anything give somebody somebody else and, and give a whole bunch? And that, well, that's because it's not a, a kingdom principle is different than the worldly principle. So basically he took from the small and he gave him because he was able to manage it. You were born again to manage everything on the earth that God gives you. God will give you what you can manage, not what you pray for. We are rulers and we are managers here on the earth. The lack of being who we are will cause complications in your life. How many of you know if God gives you a little bit of money and you go out and spend it and then spend more that you don't have and everything else, it causes high blood pressure, it causes stress, it causes nervousness, it causes all these things in your life, basically because you mismanage money. Basically, if, if you think basically you own everything and God wants you to give up somebody on the street 10 bucks and you won't do it because it's your money and you do with whatever you want, how many know it, it just doesn't work out for you? So basically, you've got to come to a place in your own life, number one, where God owns everything that you got. But then God owns everything. Say, God owns everything. God owns everything. So if God takes a little bit that I got and I give it to him, guess what? He can give me something somebody ain't using right and give it to me instead. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the... The just or the righteous. Well, the just or the righteous aren't people who are Christians. They're people who are living righteously and justly. It doesn't say the Christians. Everybody says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to get it. Are you tithing? No. Do you give away? No. Do you do this? No. I don't know. But I'm going to get it. No, you're not going to get it because he gives it to the righteous, those who are living in righteousness with God. Praise God. So the, basically here it shows you that uh, the earth belongs to mankind, and we are here to rule and manage. Now, how many know we each got our own little sphere we're not here to take over the world by ourselves. How many are glad? Yes. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when you first start getting into ministry, you're going to save the whole world. And after a while, you find out that's not your sphere, basically, to do it. Praise God. But you've got your own little sphere. You've got your place where you work. You've got your own family. That's part of it. And we want to be honor him with management and make right decisions and do all that stuff. Praise God. All right, go to Psalm 115. Okay, Psalm 115, look at verse 14. says, The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. How many of you like that? Yeah. Praise God. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of who? Amen. So here it tells you once again, the heavens are the Lord's. Heaven is God's realm. Heaven is what God is in control of. But here on the earth, he gave to who? mankind. So he gave earth to mankind, not in ownership, but basically as a lease management for mankind to control and rule here on the earth. We are put here basically to be the extension of God in the earth realm and make it just like heaven. His will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're trying to make the earth basically just like heaven by bringing the kingdom of God. Believers and Christians a lot of times talk about heaven all the time. When I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Can't wait till I die, I'm going to go to heaven. How many know that's true, but you were never meant to be in heaven? In other words, you're not going to stay in heaven anyway. Heaven is a holding tank for us after we die until the new heavens and the new earth, and then we will come back on a better earth. Say a better earth. Better earth. Say second time around will be better. Yeah, second time around will be better. We weren't put here to be on the earth. We were put here, or we were put here to be on the earth. And the whole religion, when I got born again, focused on nothing but heaven. 
How are you going to heaven? Are you good enough to go to heaven? Do your best to go to heaven. Nobody ever told me that basically my focus should be on earth. Because that's what I'm here for now is to focus on the earth. I am here to influence the earth. I'm here to change the earth. I'm here to make a difference in the earth while I'm here. So heaven has been the goal of the earth. Rulership on earth is the goal of the kingdom. And many times we have forfeited the, the dominion and purpose that we have in our life simply for the purpose of going to heaven. When I first got born again, I knew I was going to heaven. It made me very happy. I was very excited. But I didn't know there was anything else I had to do now that I was going to heaven because my whole goal up to that time was to go to heaven. So I've already qualified for heaven. What am I doing? I might as well die. I'm 30 years old. I'm going to heaven. That's what I was told I was supposed to do. I, was, I might as well die now and get it over with. Go to heaven. I heard it's better than down here. But nobody ever explains to you that you have a purpose that you were put here for beyond just going to heaven. Heaven is just a side effort, revent, a side, help me, a side. The kingdom is the thing. It's a side side dish. You can put it that way. That's good. We just had a picnic so everybody will know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> It's a side dish. In other words, heaven is part of you going to the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is the main thing. We got born into the kingdom of God. Jesus said you must be born again, not to go to heaven, but to get into the kingdom of God. Then once we get in the kingdom of God, we were born for a purpose in that kingdom of God. So we are managers, we are rulers, we are stewards of the planet Earth. Whatever happens down here is a lot of times our responsibility. I'm going to say that again. We are managers, rulers, stewards on planet Earth. Whatever happens here many times is our responsibility. Our authority is in this realm so complete that God himself will not violate our authority here on the Earth. People come to me all the time and say, well, isn't God sovereign? Doesn't he do whatever he wants to do? Isn't God sovereign? I mean, God basically does whatever. And then other people come and say, why should I serve a God who's in control of everything? And look at the world. Look what's going on. People are dying. People are getting sick. If God's in control of everything, and then people say, well, God basically doesn't love mankind like the Bible says he doesn't love mankind because all this stuff's happening. You have to understand, and back in Genesis, when God said, let them, he meant let them. At that time, he transferred sovereignly all the authority that he had on earth to mankind or someone who was in a physical body. So at that time, as a king, he established a law, that law which only gives mankind legal authority on the earth, only someone in a physical body. Now, how many know God is sovereign? He's sovereign enough to designate authority to man if he wants to, and he did. So when God said, let them... Basically, he locked himself out of the earth as a spirit without a body. How I many you know he was taking a chance there, praise God? Yeah. He was letting man in charge and set himself out because he can't do anything without the cooperation of mankind, which is us. That's why we need to learn to cooperate with the spirit of God and God's will. How I many you know if you don't know God's will, it's going to be awful hard to cooperate with him down here. And that's why the word of God is so important. We have to find out God's will. When we find out his will, then we can establish his will here on the earth is what we're called in our purpose to do. And whenever a king speaks, whenever he said something, it becomes law immediately. Say immediately. immediately. Now notice, once he makes that law, it's unchangeable even by the king himself. He can't change it. So when he said, let them, and Adam messed up, how many you know he'd like to have said, no, I wish I'd have never said let them. Wish I could change that to let us. Wish I could change it to something else. But he already made the law. He said, let them, and that was a law. He was not going to violate his own law. How many know God doesn't violate his own laws? All right, go to Matthew chapter 14.
Okay, here's the story of King Herod, basically. Let's just start in verse 6. It says, But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head on a charger. And the king was what? He was what? He was what? He was sorry, nevertheless, because of his big mouth, no, because of his oath's sake, and them that sat with him at meat, he commanded to be given to her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Now, how many know Herod was a king? So once Herod made that statement, I will give you anything that you want, because she did some kind of dance for him. Once he said that, how many know that became law? So even though he liked John the Baptist, even though he didn't want to kill John the Baptist, even though he kept from killing John the Baptist, he had to do it anyway, and he was sorry for what he had stated and made law in his life. Are you following me? So what happens? He makes that law, and there it is. And notice this. Notice how, how, how ugly offense and anger and hatred somebody could be, because in the other version of this, he said he would give her everything up to even half of his kingdom. Now, how many of you know, that's a lot of stuff. But, but his new wife didn't even care about half the kingdom. She was so mad at John, she'd rather have his head. It's amazing, isn't it? The anger that was there. So what happened here? He sovereignly made a decision. Once he made that decision, what happened to him? He could not reverse it. And he could not reverse it. So at, basically, John the Baptist lost his head because a king, whatever he says, becomes law. Okay, go to Daniel chapter 6. Old Testament, page 118 in my Bible, if you have the same one, which you probably don't. They got a wonderful thing out there called tabs. They really make you look smart. <laughs> All right, Daniel chapter 6. Are you close to being there? All right, look at verse 7. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princesses, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal stature and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, he shall be cast into the den of who? Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it would be not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which afterward were not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing in the decree. Now, once again, he was coerced by people around him. He made a decree. What was it? Anybody that prays to any other god or seeks any other god than him for 30 days basically would end up where? In the den of lions. Look at verse 12. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of God or man within thirty days, save O thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of captivity of Judah, regards not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was 
sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver them. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established shall be changed. Here we have another king. He was coerced into making the law. After he made the law, he was mad. Who should he have been mad at? Himself. He's the one that said it. He's the one that put it out there. Well, then Daniel didn't follow the thing. And all at once he's trying to save Daniel. He can't save Daniel from himself. I said he can't save Daniel from himself. Why? Because he was speaking different decrees and laws that could not be followed or were not in line with the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Should we go a little further? Yes. You are a king. Whatever you decree, whatever you're saying every day, whatever's coming out of your mouth, oh, we'll never have enough money, it'll never work out for us, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you're making a good decree there, and you wonder why you don't have anything, because you made the decree. Then you're living in poverty and crying because you're mad at God, and you should be mad at you because you're the one that made the decree, not him. So the words of our mouth are important, aren't they, as kings? Now, thank God we got repentance. And we can actually repent from our stupidity or take authority over those things once we wise up and change our mouth to line up with the things of God, praise God. But that also means whatever is decreed in line with God will come to pass in your life as long as you stay in line with him because you are a king, praise God. So how many know your words matter? You are a king. So, so far what we know is, first of all, God cannot do anything on earth without the cooperation of a human being. Number two, God has chosen to limit his activity on earth subject to the permission of mankind. And number three, the way we grant permission to God is through something called prayer. This is what prayer is. This is, prayer is not really trying to get a new car, new house, or anything. Because if you simply seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. So prayer basically is simply lining up and giving God an opportunity for, to fulfill his will in the earth. So when you're praying for somebody, you are basically there to allow God's power that's on the inside of you, allow God's authority to come through you into that person and touch them because you're now in connection with heaven and you're praying and allowing God to use that. Do you follow me? I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, basically, recently I had, a, I had a time when I was made a POA. You know what a POA is? Power of attorney. I was made a power of attorney for someone, and basically they had sold a property, and they were out of state, and I was in state. Well, the closing was taking place when they were out of state and they needed somebody to sign on the finals. Well, I could sign because I was a POA, power of attorney, I could go do that. So even though the person who gave me the POA was in a different state, I could still do his will in the thing by signing for him. Are you following me? That's the way it is with us. We have God in heaven. He's given us the POA. See, I have the POA. You have the power of attorney, so when you have the power of attorney, you're just doing his will here on the earth, basically because he's not here to do it. Are you following me? That's all it is, and prayer is basically connecting with him, saying, hey, you know, I know you divine health belongs to people. I just thank you right now for healing so-and-so in Jesus' name, praise God, and you're connected with him as a POA, because how I many know if Jesus was here, he'd heal the person. If Jesus was here, he'd cast the devil out. If Jesus was here, he'd do those things where you're the POA. You're the POA for God and for Jesus. So that's what I'm doing. I could do that. It's hard to believe, but it worked. It worked in the natural and it works in the spiritual realm. Say, I'm a POA. I'm a POA. Okay, go to Matthew chapter 18.
Okay, we've been here before, Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 18. Verily I say unto you, Jesus says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed where? In heaven. So this is telling us, now notice who's the one responsible for binding and loosing things. We are. We are the POA down here. But notice, if, if we loose it, how many know heaven will back us up? If we bind it, heaven will back us up. So if we're loosing the right things and binding the right things according to the kingdom, they'll be done. If you're loosing and binding things that are against the kingdom of God, heaven will not back you up because you do have no POA outside the will of God. Are you following? Yes. Praise God. So here it says basically what we bind on earth, what we do. So it's through, you know, he did that through Jesus down here. When Jesus came in a physical body, whatever Jesus bound, how many know it was bound? Whatever was loose was loosed. Why? Because he was the POA at that time here on the earth. He died, he left, he sent the Holy Spirit, and now we're the POA here on the earth, and we're doing the same things that Jesus did. That's why, can we go a little further? That's why it says the same works that Jesus did, we will do. Why? Because we're the POA of the same one. Are you following me? Whatever he did was through the people, because that's what God told him to do, and he was a POA. Well, we're the POA too. And just because Jesus left, we have the same POA rights that he has here, so we can do the same things basically than he did. Are you following? Praise God. That's good news. Glory to God. Thank you. So the key to power, the key to things in the kingdom of God is knowing that we have the authority down here. We have the right, but also to know the power of prayer in our life. By the power of prayer, we can arrange to allow God's power into the earth realm. We're the ones who bind, we're the ones who allow, we're the ones who loose, we're the ones who stop. God will not do anything on earth without permission from those on the earth that he gave dominion to. Prayer is our means of constantly granting God permission to interfere in the affairs of man on earth. I'm going to read that again. Prayer is our means of constantly granting God permission to interfere in the affairs of men on the earth. One scholar said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. That's why it tells us basically to pray always. Now, how many of you go in your prayer closet and you spend 24 hours a day in there, maybe grab an hour of sleep, go back in there? How are you going to pray always? Because we're always in a position walking wherever we're at, whatever we're doing, to bring God into the situation by allowing him in there, by binding or loosing or just agreeing with him and being used by him. That's why we have to be in tune once again with the Spirit of God on the inside of us. The Spirit of God on the inside will talk to you. He will tell you. He will do things. I was at the bank the other day, and I was out there doing some banking, and there was a lady sitting across from me, and basically we were just doing things things and finally she said and uh and what's her name i said pastor tom she's oh you're a pastor i said yeah i'm a pastor and she said oh well that's good she said you know i'm born again i said well good praise god hallelujah i said do you go to church she said no but i grew up with a baptist i said well i know you're born again then you shouldn't even have to tell me that praise god and she was sitting there and she just said but what's going on in the world and everything and she said i just don't know what's going to happen and you know i'm getting older and if i die what happens to me and do i vanish and do i i thought dear lord is this a setup or what so i just started telling no you're not going to vanish you got you're, you're you're sitting across there because you've got people coming into you every day and you could be influencing these people and you could be telling them about the kingdom of God but you don't know anything about the kingdom of God because you stopped at being born again. So you can learn some stuff and you can do this and do that. And she said, well, gosh, how am I going to learn all that? I said, I might have a book. <laughs> Come on, one step to another. One step to another. Then she wanted the website, so I gave her the website, praise God, and took care of that. And she said, well, I'll read the book. I said, good, you read the book. You know, you're not going to vanish when you die. I mean, she's born again. I think she's going to puff off into air someplace. I don't know what would be the advantage of being born again if you're going to puff off when you died. 
anyway, but I mean, she just didn't really think about it. She didn't know anything else. So what was that? That was an opportunity to influence one person who hopefully then from her desk can influence people around her. See, and then those people can influence those around them and she can influence her family. That's all we're here to do basically is to be an influence everywhere we go. We're here to bring light into the darkness. I mean, there's enough darkness. If you can't find darkness, you are in trouble. I'm telling you, it's everywhere. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. All right, Matthew chapter 9, look at verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogue and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers they are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So here we can see it's talking about prayer. It doesn't say there's a lack of the harvest. How many know there's not a lack of harvest out there? No, for the kingdom of God, there is a lack of God's power in the earth realm right now. There's a lack of laborers, and the laborers are people who are prayers. People who can connect with heaven when they need to, who can bring God's power into the earth realm, who can bring God's authority basically and use that authority in every situation. Those who will learn to give permission to God constantly will intervene in the earth in a lot of areas and a lot of situations. Without God's power and spirit, we really have no chance of affecting the earth for the kingdom of God. God says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my. So how many know anything you do that's productive, the spirit of the Lord is going to be involved in it. And that's why you can never say, look what I did, because you knew the Spirit of God was leading and guiding you in the whole thing anyway. You were just being obedient, thank God, to what he was doing. So without our agreement and our permission through prayer, God will not intervene in the earth realm. How I many you know there's a lot of prayer in this day and age that's just worthless prayer? Help me, God. Oh, Lord, do this, God. Oh, Lord, give me a car. Oh, Lord, none of that has to do with connecting with God and affecting anybody else. And the problem is people are so concerned with themselves they have no look to touch anybody else, which is their purpose. And that's why there's so many Christians who are sad faces because everything deals with them. Me, my, I, do for me, my, I. They're not asking for an opportunity or the power to set somebody else free or, or a word of, word of knowledge to speak to somebody. Or No, they're too busy wrapped up in themselves and you can't live in any joy when you're wrapped up in yourself. It doesn't work. That's why you see a joyous Christian. That's why you see people backslid. Because you only try for a little while, then you give up. But if you have a purpose and a plan here, if you have a job to do, if you have something to do here, it gives you hope. It gives you a future thing. It gives you something to do every single day of your life rather than, I'm saved and going to heaven. I'm saved and going to heaven. Have you changed? Not at all, but I'm saved and going to heaven. I'll be changed when I die. And that's true. You will be changed when you die. But we have to keep praying and let him intervene. Basically, we are a prayer meeting on two legs. Every place you go, you're a prayer meeting on two legs, praise God. There you are. Now, i got to wait till I go to the closet. Then I'm a prayer. No, you're a prayer all the time, praise God. So God's government gains access on the earth according to our faith, our dominion, and our agreement, say agreement, with the word of God, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 6.
Notice when you, when you start reading from a kingdom aspect of the Bible and you start looking at it as a kingdom book, you're going to find out everything Jesus did was to bring you into a kingdom mentality. Everything he taught, everything he spoke, every parable was there. He's trying to get you to think like a kingdom citizen son of God rather than a loser, rather than a failure, rather than somebody. And many times in religion, we were taught the biggest failure we could be, the better off we were, because God was so far up and we were worshiping and honoring him. But God don't want sons who are failures. He already had sons who were failures before Jesus came. He had a whole Old Testament of them, for goodness sakes. Come on now. He didn't need any more. He didn't go to the cross to make more of them. My God, he had enough the way it was. No, he came to change and bring people back into his family, back into his relationship who would operate. All right, here's Jesus' teaching. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus said, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now watch this, one question. Are you not much better than... Now, why would he ask that question? To me, it sounds like a dumb question because my mind's been renewed. But most people would probably say, no. No, he probably loves the birds more than he loves me. Likes the lilies more than he loves me. This is what he did to Eve, basically. You're not like God. Eat this and you'll be like God. God didn't say that. God didn't say this. Basically, what had happened was he had to basically self-doubt came into her life. Self-doubt always gives you low self-esteem, gives you a low worth, a low value, makes you a victim and a loser, no ability to do anything in your life, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, the future is not ours to see, que sera, sera. In other words, I can't do nothing, I can't control nothing, whatever happens, God did, and if he wanted me sick, I'm sick, if he wanted me down and out, I'm down and out. So basically, what's he want to do? He wants to change our thinking from that kind of thinking that we all had at one time. He wants to move it to a kingdom ruler mentality of who we really are. He wants us not to think as losers, but winners. Not as subjects, but sons of the living God. We have lost sight of who we really are. So Jesus said, don't you know that you're more valuable than these things? Don't you know it? Well, he asked that question because it's a good question. So you've got to think, how do I think of myself? How's my mentality? How do I see myself? Do I see myself as just getting by and hopefully God helps me? Do I see myself as a loser? Do I see myself as somebody who prays and God's probably not listening to my prayer anyway because there are a lot of people out there that he likes a lot better than me and he doesn't really care. See, all that mentality was given to us by religion was given to us the way that we were born again. He wants to change that mentality that we are got into who we really are. We are kings and priests of God. We are sons of the living God. We've been raised and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. When you start getting that attitude, you'll pray different. You'll walk different. You'll talk different. You'll look different. You'll look like somebody abnormal, but you're really normal and everybody else is ab. See, because they don't understand. They don't understand what's going on or what's happening, praise God. So instead of taking our seat at the family table, we act like a spiritual survival people, basically. We need a total new mentality. You are a son, not a subject. You are a citizen, not an alien. You need a kingdom mentality that knows its rights. I have privileges as a kingdom citizen. No one has the right to rule over me except God. Feelings don't have a right. Emotions don't have a right. Alcohol don't have a right. Drugs don't have a right. Nothing has a right to rule over me in my life whatsoever. It's not there because I am a king and I am a priest. That's why it says, well, let me read it to you. Go to Hebrews 4.
All right, Hebrews chapter 4, are you there? Look at verse 16. Let us therefore come begging, weeping, crying, doing our best to the throne of grace. No, let us therefore come. Come how? Come boldly? I can come boldly to God? I can come. I thought you just crawled in on your hands and knees and begged God for this and, and hope God would do that for me. Notice, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of what? Grace. Now, grace is what's freely been given to us, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's from the throne that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Well, you've got time of needs in your own life. You've got time of needs for your kids. You've got time of needs for your relation. You've got time of needs for people you run into. So we can come boldly. What are we coming boldly to do? To connect with God, not manipulate God. We always thought we're supposed to come to God and sort of manipulate Him. Well, I went to church on Wednesday and Sunday, God, so you owe me now this week because I went two times, praise God. You you just need to help me. I'd do something for him. I mean, but that's not the way we come. We come boldly. Why? Because we know our rights. I know what my rights. I can come boldly to him. I wake up and I got a pain in my body. I come to the throne and say, hey, you said by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Praise God. I'm coming boldly and healing is mine and health is mine. It's got to get out of my life right now in Jesus' name. And the Father says, it's about time somebody came to me with some boldness instead of a religious fool. And you got the result. But in order to do that, how many know you got to know your rights? You've got to know his will. You've got to read the will and find out what actually belongs to you. Does God want to heal everybody? Yes, yes he does. Does God want to save everybody? Yes. yes, so you should never walk up to somebody and say, well, I wonder if I'm supposed to save this. Well, maybe I should. Maybe it's not their time. I don't know if I should or not. Maybe I should. See, you're wishy-washy. You don't know his will. Since you don't know his will, you won't act on it because you don't believe that's his will. But when you know what his will is, you'll act on it. That's his will. Why? He's already said it. It's already in the book. Can he take it back? No, he can't take it back. He already said it. It's already in there. It doesn't matter how bad the worst person in the world is. If they confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're instantly born again. Do you know that? Come, we know he didn't qualify it. Here people say all the time, well, they're so bad, God couldn't even save them. Well, he saved you. See, we, we get in our mind that we've got to qualify for this stuff and we've got to do something. No, the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says he has reconciled the world unto himself already. He's not going to reconcile. He already reconciled it. Now he said, go reconcile them to me. And we go to them and say, well, if you quit drinking, you quit drugging, God might save you. It doesn't. They're not going to quit drinking and drugging until they get saved. Till they become a new creation in Christ Jesus and get born again. So they don't have to qualify this stuff. They just got to know that God loves them enough to suffer and die and give them an entrance for free into the kingdom of God. And basically they'll be ready for that if they're all messed up, that's for sure. So basically what does it say? Come how? Boldly. Say boldly. All right, go to 1 John chapter 4. Bold. Boldly. All right, 1 John chapter 4, you won't hear this scripture related to very much, but it's in there. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us, have, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. Now verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have, may have, may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we, where? In this world. Well, when I die and get to heaven, I'm going to be just like Jesus. I can't wait till that day. No, in this world, when you were born again, you already became like Jesus. You're in his image, in his likeness. And as he is right now, so are we. He believes that we don't. 
He's trying to get us through the Spirit of God to believe who we really are. Who are we? Basically, we've got to, we've got to embrace our identity of who we really are and who we've been made. We're like our Father. We're, we're not Jew. We're not Greek. The Bible says that. We're not male. We're not female. The Bible says that. No, what are we? We're of God. You were born of God. You're a child of God. We can boldly claim our rights. So there's nothing to fear when you die. You can boldly go to the throne. You can boldly go to God. You don't have to be looking at everything you did wrong because he's already forgiven those things that you did wrong and got rid of those things, so don't dwell in those. So basically, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're a son of the living God. You're in the image and likeness of God. You're born after God. Of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. But nobody will receive the grace, much less the grace to get the grace because our minds will not line up to understand who we really are, praise God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 2. As you look at these things, study these things, meditate on these things, sooner or later you start to get a, a godly attitude. It's a different attitude than most people got who are in the church. Most of them got the attitude of a loser, can't hardly make it, it's up to God. But when you get an attitude that you have authority, basically, to control the circumstances and situations in your life, how I many of those circumstances and situations are going to come against you, but it's, it's how you go through them in their time that makes a difference. And that's where faith stops many times. See, because as soon as the circumstance comes, you've been claiming, I'm a, I'm a winner, I'm a winner, I've got plenty of money, I'm blessed, I'm everything. And now at once money gets tight, and all at once faith stops. Why? Why not keep going? Just because the situation changed, didn't change nothing. Just stay where you are, and everything will turn around and come back. But that's where we stop. All at once a system, system, symptom hits your body, and we've been saying, I'm healed, I'm blessed, I'm healed from the top of my head. And a symptom comes out when faith goes out the window. I'm getting sick. I can feel it. Here comes Mr. COVID again. Around. Mr. COVID's everywhere. Everybody's getting COVID. My God, it's being shot across the rivers for COVID. Look out. And what happened to your faith? What happened before? Now, I know as you're, when you're a baby Christian or when you've been born again and you haven't known this and studied it, which most of them haven't, I mean, you know, it's all right to go to somebody else and get prayer. Because if you know you're going to struggle with it and you know your mind's running away with it, go. That's what other people are there for. And as you grow up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, then it won't be you asking for prayer that much. It'll be you praying on other people. But your mind doesn't change like this. How many know I wish it would have? I wish you'd have did something about that. I mean, it's great to be changed spiritually into his image and likeness, but he didn't do a thing for this thing up here, praise God. It's still loaded with everything that's in there, praise God. So there's a fight, isn't there, no matter what comes in your life. But let's stay in faith the whole time, praise God. People say faith don't work. Well, when did you quit? How do you know if it didn't work? Well, I, I must have quit because I was still in faith. It might work yet. It might not be over yet, do you see? Praise God. Or one of my favorites, are you healed? By faith I am. I said, what does that mean? Well, by faith I am. I'm not, but I believe by faith I am. Are you or not? Well, no, but by faith I am. Well, by faith. Faith is the substance of things for Not going to be the substance of things. So you can't, you're either healed by faith or you're not healed by faith. You understand? You're either, my God, people are so messed up. And then people will come to you. I mean, I've seen it all. People will come to you and say, well, you think if I dump my medicine down the sink, God will heal me? Oh, yeah, praise. That's the only thing holding you back. If he dumps your medicine, he's going to say, woohoo! What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> nothing. It has to do with nothing. You don't have to impress God to try to get him to do something when he's already done. 
He's already done it. We've got to get over to the point where he's already taken care of this stuff. We're in, the, we're in the process of receiving, not prying it out of God's hands. You know, a lot of times we think revival. God's sitting up there with this big balloon of the Holy Ghost and power. Just sitting there. There's people are praying. Nope, not enough there. Praying over here, not enough. Then maybe somebody prays enough to put a pin in it and a little bit of power flies down. But he's going to hang on to the rest until somebody hit. No, the power of God's already in the earth today. It's already on the inside of you, praise God. You're full of the Spirit of God tonight. Not when somebody pricks the balloon and lets some come down from heaven, praise God. It's already in there. But nobody wants to tell you that. Everybody wants to wait. Wait, wait, wait. No, every day you're a walking revival. Every day you're touching somebody's life. Every day you are a king and a priest unto God. Everything that comes your way, you rule over that thing. You don't put up with that thing. You come against that thing. You speak God's words over that thing and you walk in victory every single day of your life. Praise God. Now, is it easy? No. It sounds easy, but then you got to do it the next day and the next day and this sermon may wear off and you may go back to an unfaithful hangover. Praise God. That's why you need to hear and hear and hear and hear the word of God. All right. Hebrews chapter 2. Guys are really pulling it out of me tonight. Look at verse 11. For both he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all one. Now who sanctifies? And who was sanctified? And they are all what? For which cause he is not, he is not ashamed to call us what? Jesus is not afraid to call you a brother. The problem is you're afraid to call him a brother. Remember when Jesus started talking about his father and everybody got mad at him? Religion gets mad when you call yourself a son of God. I'll tell you right now. You're around a lot of religious people. You better just hold that thought <laughs> until you get out of there because they don't think it. You're a worm, man. You're a sinner. You're, you're near a low life. You can't be a son of God. But yet Jesus himself calls us brother. Praise God. So what do we have to do? We have to get rid of this pig pen mentality. See, I spent 30 years in the pig pen. And I wasn't going to get rid of that in one year or two years. It took time to get rid of the pig pen mentality that I had. I prayed, pray for us sinners now at the hour of my death 5,642 million times while I was in religion. How many know that was building it? Pray for a sinner. Pray for the sinner. Pray for a sinner. It takes a while to get the sinner out of there and the righteous in when you've done it that many times and you've confessed it. So we're changing our mentality. All the people on earth, no matter who they are or where they're from basically, have the same potential to operate as a son of God and the power of God as everyone else does, praise God. Jesus died and brought us back into fellowship with the Father. We can assume our rightful place as children and citizens of the kingdom of God. The first step you got is to change your mindset to get rid of your pig pen mentality. He provides for the birds, the lilies. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yes. All right, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, 1425 in my Bible. All right, here's process. Look at verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of who? Of God. So now a person can be saved, but it doesn't mean that they are transformed. 
Some people could be saved for 40 years and still not have any transformation if they've not been in the Word of God and not believe the Word of God. So basically you can be saved but not transformed. Salvation was a miracle. It was instant. It took place. You became a child of God. But now you must be transformed. Here Paul says we have to bring our bodies under the management of our authority, our feelings, our emotions. You can't steal no longer, lazy no longer, drugs no longer, worry and fearful are of the devil. Stop pornography, unhealthy relationships, unforgiveness. We must learn to manage our body and get our mind renewed to God's way. And yes, you can. Every time you say that, people say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can. If you're born again, you've got authority to do this stuff. You can rule over this stuff. You can manage this stuff, but you have to do it. And the more you do it, the more you'll gradually come back into line with God's thinking, God's ways, the way God does things, the way God thinks, the way God loves, the way God does things. And basically, you'll come to a place where you can then prove God's will. Notice verse 12. This is where we're headed. This is it. Verse 12 is it. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good. There's an acceptable. And there's a perfect will of God. When you learn the perfect will of God, you'll start getting that perfect will of God into other people's life at the same time. Because you know that 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 God already healed people. You'll know that he's already provided salvation. You'll know that he's already did everything that he has to do. And you'll be able to put that in rather than say, well, I'll pray for you and God might heal you. We'll have to see how God's feeling today and whether he's in a good mood. And if he's in a good mood, he may, no, no. You say, God will heal you. Look at Jesus. Jesus said, I'll come and heal them. You know how bold that is? Can you imagine somebody comes up to you and they can't walk or can't talk and they're all messed up and they say, oh, could you come pray for him? And say, no, I'll just come and heal him. Amen. That'd be a shocker, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, but that's the way he thought and that's the way we're going to have to start yeah. thinking if we're going to do what God wants us to do. All right, go to Revelations chapter 1. You've got to dump some of the things that people told you when you were younger, too. I don't care if it was your parents or people around you or people you went to school with or whatever. They didn't know who you were. All they had was an opinion they put in you. You're stupid. You're no good. You'll never amount to anything. You can't do anything. You're a bad boy. You're a bad girl. You've got to get all that stuff out of there. Their voices don't mean nothing to you anymore. And many people carry them around for you. Oh, my dad. Well, your dad did the best he could. Leave him alone. Come on now. I'm sure he did. Mom did the best he could. Move on, praise God. That's not going to help you. You can't change the past, but you can control the future, praise God, if you want to get off into it. All right, Revelations chapter 1. Look at verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. What? Amen. Praise God. Now, religion told me that the blood took care of me. He loved me and forgave me of sins. Christianity never told me that I was made a king and a priest. The kingdom told me that. So we are believers, but we still have a lot of times we have mental issues. We have been made kings and priests, but mentally we're still subjects and we're failures. We need to make a complete and total change. We are really kings according to what Jesus said. You have to change your thinking to think not like a loser or a nobody, but a winner and a son of God. You must learn to think like kings. Lay hold of the spirit and attitude of a king. 
It is not about being low and humble and poor and, and humility and Christianity. No, it's about receiving who you really are and what you can do in this earth realm. Kingdom citizenship is about recognizing our place and our rights through Christ. Your place and your rights. What does your place do? Your place gives you authority. Your rights allows you to release the power in your life. You've got to know both. You can know your authority but not want to know when to release it. Or you can know your rights and not release your authority. They go together. It's basically your authority and your rights. We claim and enforce those rights so we can fulfill God's kingdom purpose here on the earth. Get the will of God into other people's life. It is about taking back that which was once lost because of what Adam did when he rebelled. Mankind at the beginning, this is the way mankind was until Adam sinned. Then he lost it. He, he was afraid of God. He was disconnected from God. Well, God came through Jesus and he restored us back to the position we were back in Genesis chapter 1. Our kingdom faith is about claiming and living out our dominion mandate on the earth. Faith is simply believing and receiving what God has already done for us. It's not really trying to get him to do anything because he's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already provided all our needs. Your father knows what you need, so he'll take care of them. So all we've got to do basically is know our authority. We've got to know the power that we have, and we've got to know our priority is in the right place. What is our priority? Getting a new car? No, our priority is seeking first the kingdom understanding God's rulership over our life, not just what we do, but our minds, our thoughts, everything in it. When we subject ourselves to that, basically, He provides everything that we need. He provides all things. He has made us a king and a priest. We are raised and seated in heavenly places. Kingdom citizenship is about kingship, management, and ruling on the domain of earth. Say, my purpose, my purpose. is kingship, kingship. Management, management, and ruling on this earth. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening our eyes to more of your kingdom. Father, I thank you through your Holy Ghost to change our mentality to a mentality that you want. Father, we want to continue to know your ways. We want to know how you do things. We want to know who to do it to, when to do it to, how to do it to. We thank you that you're making us walking prayers every single day of our life. We thank you for what you did through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for us fulfilling our purpose and our plan and the joy that you give us from that. And we give you the praise for all that you're doing in each and every life of TCVC. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. To hear more dynamic words, go to mytcbc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. So remember to seek first the key.